morning, good morning everyone. This week's uh, parasha is known as Truma. 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 The word itself means an offering. Truma has also uh, come to be known as as a contribution, an offering. That's where the idea of uh, contributing. And of course, since this parsha is discussing the various uh, objects that uh, went into the uh, creation of the tabernacle, tabernacle, which is considered to be the Bet Hamikdash Ma'at, meaning the uh, holy temple, but in miniature form. And from there, we also have learned through the Talmud that the uh, Mishkan, which was not the uh, a, uh, of a permanent nature, the Mishkan was was a uh, the tabernacle, meaning it was not something that uh, was established in one place, nor did it have the ability as the Bet Hamikdash to to have the um, the idea beside permanency of being established only in Jerusalem, but this was a something that uh, traveled with the Israelites in in their uh, wanderings throughout the. Throughout the wilderness until they came to Israel, so they built themselves a, a little tabernacle, as it was referred to, or Mishkan. And the instructions for the construct for the uh, construction of this tabernacle takes place in this week's uh, parsha. And obviously, the first question, and therefore, uh, the Jews were told to offer or contribute towards its uh, creation and uh, erection at the same time. And therefore it is uh, referred to as truma, an offering. And this offering uh, went into the uh, creation of the uh, ark that contained the uh, Torah, that was already uh, given, and many other many other uh, ideas that were uh, that the Jews were told uh, constituted the uh, necessary aspect in which now the temple temple the miniature temple would be created. And of course, what the obvious question is that uh, since we read this in the uh, synagogue on Shabbat. Of what purpose does it serve for us since we do not have a uh, temple and uh, also this temple is not located in uh, the synagogue or wherever the synagogue might be uh, around the globe is not a um, one of a permanent nature unfortunately it's not uh, beside the fact that Jews seem to move from uh, section to section, area to area, and whatever 
reasons that uh, may or may not be known to us. Uh, we are, in effect, uh, if you examine it closely, the wandering Jew. Is it because we were wanderers in the, uh, in the temple? Possibly. In the uh, wilderness? Possibly. What What is the relationship? But before we get into the uh, the significance of why we should be uh, we should be concerned about how to build this uh, temple, this miniature temple, which in effect is not what we're in our prayers looking forward to, because it is the holy temple in which our prayers are directed towards, and certainly not something of this nature. So. Are we just reading a piece of uh, Jewish history and uh, being informed, you know, how they did how they did it at one time? But I would like to uh, bring to your attention a Zohar, uh, incidentally, the uh, Zohar on Truma, on Truma, one of the uh, one of the uh, largest sections in the Zohar, and yet there is. Very little, one might say, very little uh, that uh, that has to do with uh, with many of the subjects that are contained in this week's section. In fact, uh, very little that even deals with uh, all of these aspects that were installed in the temple. Very few of the aspects are even discussed in this week's parsha. One of them, of which is, and seems to have no relationship, but I thought it would be interesting to note, and that is the following. Zohar states, Patar v'yama, akitaninan, this is what we learned. Biyom kadmoy adlo ata Yaakov, in the uh, ancient days, or the days uh, preceding uh, Yaakov, the patriarch, hababanash, uh, that before the days of Yaakov, when, they, when it came to uh, the time when a person uh, was to leave this uh, world, he would live in uh, his house in peace, without problems, without exorbitant medical bills, and he would die without illness. So it was until the time of Yaakov, something unfortunately unheard of today. Came in that Yaakov, when Yaakov came upon the scene, the Kuchabarhu, and uh, it came before uh, God, Amale Mare the Alma, Inika Kamach the Limpo Banash Rebe Mare. Isn't it better that a person should uh, become ill just prior to his leaving this world, prior to his dying, and that he should fall into uh, illness uh, before, uh, before he dies? So he'll be aware of the fact that since he's ill, there's a possibility he's going to die. And if there is a possibility that he's going to die, therefore, pleaded Yaakov, uh, you give the man a chance to settle his affairs, say goodbye to his family, but not that the, day, the moment 
the time came for him to leave this world bingo he's dead and so it was better that uh, a person you know should be forewarned by virtue of uh, his becoming ill and then he can tell his uh, family that he's going to leave and that he should do uh, tshuva if necessary and what was the response Amalei Shapir You know, you're right, Yaakov. This is, the, this is the way to do it. And not only that, says the uh, creator to Yaakov, but you will be the, the sign. You will be the sign, meaning, says Rabbi Ashlag, what do you mean you will be the sign? With you begins now this idea that before a person dies, before a person dies, there should be some warning, warning by uh, by illness specifically. And then continues the Zohar. After after uh, Yaakov died. And since it was so decreed that a person would become ill, so from that moment on, when a person became ill, he knew, unlike today, where a person could recover, but that the moment a person became ill, he died. He could not he would not recover. So he knew that when he became ill, this was the sign that uh, of the con- conversation between God and Yaakov that the time was coming and therefore he should make all his preparations, etc. But when Chizkiyahu came, then it all changed and the person and the person could recover, could recover before he died. What 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 is this conversation or what is the uh, what is what does the Zohar uh, hope to teach us with this idea of uh, first it was one way then when Chizkiyahu comes it's changed that when a person becomes ill that he has the opportunity to uh, recover and therefore before. Uh, before he would uh, he would die, before he would die, uh, again we're back to what was established before Yaakov that a person, in effect, could as we know as we uh, as we uh, describe it today, leave this world by virtue of the kiss of death, which is the way it happened before Yaakov. Nobody became if a person uh, was going to die. It didn't require, as Yaakov had requested, that uh, a person leave this world without an illness. Well, what is this discussion? And what is is the uh, thought behind the idea of doing it one way and then changing it, etc.? And what does it have to do with this pasha? This this should be, in fact, uh, a section, maybe... uh, may be uh, placed in the uh, area where when Yaakov died. That's where it belonged. But why would it, 
why would it, why would it, why would the Zohar bring this kind of a discussion into, uh, into, uh, Pasha Tuma? Also, we should ask of ourselves, what, what would a person prefer? Would he prefer, would he prefer going out of this world, maybe without illness? And so he doesn't have any warning. Well, maybe he should do tshuva each day. And consequently, why does he have to be concerned that when he becomes ill, that's the moment that he's got to think now that there's a possibility, that the person might die, and therefore he should do tshuva. Or that he should uh, be prepared to tell his family, I'm leaving, and, and arrange his, his earthly affairs. Why is it even necessary? Time comes. As it happens, unfortunately, or fortunately, a person suddenly leaves without warning. Does it really make a difference? If if the family was forewarned that the person you know, is going to leave this world or is not told he's going to leave this world, what is the difference? And what did Yaakov want uh, you know, with, with this idea that a person, that a person should, should become ill, Chaz Vashon, before, before he's leaving this world. And as I mentioned before, what does that have to do with, with this Pasha? Okay. I, I'm gonna leave, I just wanted to uh, introduce this particular Zohar, and then we'll go on to, uh, the Zohar that deals with this particular section. All right, well, and we'll, we'll return to that Zohar, I think, after we have a little more comprehension about what the Pasha is about. Again, it says, <clears throat> And you should take a, an offering which uh, they should bring from every person, whose heart brings him to this idea that he should contribute. Tiku etrumati. Take, take my, uh, tiku etrumati. To take my offering, trumati. Some interpret it, well, whose offering is it? Tiku etrumati seems to imply that it's referring to God himself. First he says, and again, this first verse, quite complicated. It says, And they shall take unto me, they shall take unto me an offering. From each person who feels that he wants to do this, take my offering, meaning that which is going to be offered is now referred to as if take my offering. I mean, it's mine. I mean, it's not. It's not the creator's offering. It's the person who's offering. This is. It's his. What do you mean, tiku et trumati? My offering. We have here the Zohar, Patach Rabbi Shimon, and Rabbi Shimon begins, Bitkila vayichuli truma. They should take to me. Yoreh says the Zohar. This implies, Whoever wants to be mishtadel, mishtadel sometimes means um, I'm attempting, 
Lishtadel also means to become involved, become involved. And wants to become involved with the Creator. That if he wants to become involved, he should not, he should not become involved empty or uh, with uh, without cost or which literally means without cost or without effort. But a person should become involved according to the measure of his strength. What does that mean? What does that mean? And a person should make this attempt. Kivikat, as it says, Ishkamat not any person according to uh, his ability to contribute. This is the way most translate that verse. The intoma, the Zoras, Hare Katub, the Hushivru, the Ichlu, the Lehu, Shivru below Kesef, Ubelo Mikhiyayavachala. But then there is another verse, verse in uh, Yeshayahu, which says that uh, go and Make yourself uh, uh, acquainted or become attached without money. That there is no necessity for uh, contributing, if the idea means physical contribution, but it could be done without money. means the Torah. And this is the way the Zohar answers this question. It seems to be a contradiction between one verse and the other. What does it mean becoming involved with the Torah? That in one verse when it says that you can uh, become involved and it doesn't require any effort on your part, it does not require any contribution on your part, but you want to become involved, connected with whoever. Someone wants to, it doesn't require. If he just wants to, it does not require any effort on his part. It does not require any contributions on his part. In other words, many a time we have asked ourselves the question that if, as we will learn certainly this morning again, only to reinforce and support that which we uh, have already learned in the classes, that Judaism is not a religion, meaning a concept, a movement, a cult, if you want to talk, refer to as such, because we certainly are not the majority of the uh, people. Uh, our movement is not something accepted by uh, uh, over two billion people, just a couple of million people. That's still even at her. That maybe it's not even two million people, but it's such a small minority of the world that conducts themselves in the manner that we conduct ourselves. That if one wants to become involved, 
he becomes involved. Many times we say, well, look what we're learning here, changing our lives, meaning what? Achieving greater awareness, higher levels of consciousness, which only through the study of Kabbalah can we achieve this, because the average Jew in the street uh, is more robotic uh, as... Uh, as uh, most people who do things, not out of choice, not out of free choice, we ask, why are we here? What have I done to have this zahut, to merit, coming in and say, I want to study the, the inner secrets of the Torah known as Kabbalah. Why? What about the rest of the people out there? How come they're not here? How come they're not here? Oh, we're not talking about those who are brilliant and are skeptics and have figured it out why they're not here. But there are many people out there who just haven't thought, given it, given it a thought as to why they should even have the, the need for studying Kabbalah. And even those who have heard the benefits of learning Kabbalah still feel, well, it's not for me. What have I done? To merit coming in, says the Zohar, for that you don't have to merit. For that you don't have to merit. For that you don't even have to pay. The fact that one says, I want to learn, he has, that's his entrance fee. His entrance fee is the fact that he decided he wants to. He wants to study. For that there is no price. For that there is no price. And he's learning all of this out of uh, out of the uh, out of this verse. Aval bishladuta karev bocho almedet b'mase asur lekachat oto bechina v'reka mishum shelo yiske b'mase ahu klal lamshich alav ruach shel hakadusha ella b'schashalim. And this is what the Zohar says is the interpretation of the verse. However, if you uh, if you want to make manifest the information, if you want to uh, put to use that this study, the study of of, of Torah, with all of its uh, inner meanings, and certainly including the Kabbalah, if you want to now, after having received this kind of information, now make it serve you now. Uh, do the do the things that the Zohar says the study of Torah will provide us with. More specifically, the security shields, uh, a little uh, preview of tomorrow without having the consciousness of tomorrow, without having its consciousness. Because we know the minute many of us ask since the Torah and in our prayers we say there is a level of consciousness that can bring tomorrow into its existence today. Because in effect, there is no such thing as tomorrow and yesterday. And this, of course, is supported by science today and out of Einstein's theory of relativity, that in effect, tomorrow, yesterday, and today are all one in the here and now. If that's the case, so how come we uh, we can't know about tomorrow, make investments on the basis of what's going to happen tomorrow? And the answer is, the answer is, the idea 
of knowing tomorrow is what we call Satan consciousness, that which we have uh, conceptualized, that which we consciously become aware of, no longer is in the realm of, of unity. The minute we understand something, we have taken it out of the realm of where yesterday, today, and tomorrow is one. That is in the that is in the level of what we call etzachayim, where the consciousness that we are aware of, which is the consciousness of Satan, because whatever we do on an active consciousness level, if we haven't learned it yet, we have a partner. We have a partner. That partner is Satan, and when we figure out things, and we know what's best for us. When we understand everything there is to understand around us, the moment we achieve an awareness of something that we weren't aware of yesterday, today, or tomorrow, the moment we become aware of it, it no longer belongs in the realm of Etzachayim. No longer in that level of non-fragmentation where yesterday, today, and, and tomorrow are as one. No, it's all brought down. The consciousness mind, the fact that what we understand, what we say we understand, we have brought whatever information we have acquired, whatever information we have acquired is brought down into the realm of Satan consciousness. Once it's brought into the realm of Satan consciousness, now Satan, now Satan will give you the idea of what tomorrow should be, but it will not be what tomorrow is really, because that's that's the function of Satan. He also must be given the opportunity to sell his wares. Unfortunately, more times than none, we're associated and connected with Satan consciousness. Therefore, he leads us into an understanding, or in, he leads us into the uh, the... Uh, the idea that we are prophets, after all, a good businessman is the one who can forecast and project the future. That's a good businessman. And he remains a good businessman, maybe even for 40, 50 years. But then when Satan consciousness realizes he has captured this individual into the total understanding that it is his wisdom, it is his knowledge, and drops him like a hot potato, no, no longer that he needs him. And then all of a sudden, the person goes bankrupt, the person becomes ill, all of those things that he, that he himself understood in his projections of the future, because after all, when we project the future like the weatherman, we know what tomorrow will, will be. We know. We know until we don't know. So what kind of consciousness is that? Therefore, there's always says, that's Satan consciousness. But where you do not you do not assume the idea that I know tomorrow. I do not know anything. Because the I know, the I know, I is part of Satan consciousness. Whenever you say I know, you've got your partner sitting right next to you at the board meeting. He's there. He's there. The minute you say I know, he's present. It is only... It is only when you let things flow and you realize that it's not you, 
and then you're doing things and you don't even know half the times or maybe all the time to the extent that you don't know to that point then you're you're at that other level therefore says the Zohar there is no entrance fee there is no entrance fee into acquiring this kind of knowledge however however and that's what it says but if you want to implement the knowledge, if you want this information, this knowledge to work for you, then it does not require a consciousness of how to make use of it. You want to etrumati, then you want to take my offering. What is my offering? the light you want to take my offering which is unity you want to take my offering which says tomorrow today and yesterday are one and the same are one and the same then you cannot receive that for nothing information is for everyone whether you pay for it or you don't pay for it because then it remains information but now you want that information to become knowledge. And what does it mean, knowledge? What does it mean, knowledge? The connection. The connection there is a difference, as you've learned in the classes, between information and knowledge. When it becomes internal, that information becomes internal. Not in the mind, where it's information. Not in the consciousness, where it's, where it's an abundance of, of uh, news, that you can make projections, etc. No. When that inf if that information is to become part as a, as a, as a, uh, as a function in your life, it will, it will lead you into, uh, the, uh, the results, into the decisions. Not you. That requires a truma. That requires, that cannot be had for nothing. Now you want to make use of that information. Now what is the difference? Why if I want to come in to receive this information, you can have it for nothing. You can have it for nothing. But when you want this information to work for you, oh, then it requires a contribution. Why? Continues the Zohar, "B'sifrek shafim shalamet ashmedai melech hashedim b'shlomah melech." When Shlomah melech had access to the to the teachings of Ashmedai, who was the uh, the uh, king of the uh, other side, the king of the uh, other spirits, Katu. That whenever anyone wants to remove this partner called Satan from his daily life, in order to remove him, to remove Satan, Bein me'at, bein rav, whatever is demanded of him, 
It cannot be had without anything. Why? From this verse, says the Zohar, we're not talking about offerings, meaning to contribute to the temple. And this is the way the Zohar begins this entire reading. That we're not talking here about contributing to a synagogue. We're not talking about contributing to the uh, ark or the table or the candelabra, the menorah or any other of the other items. What we're talking about here is accessing, accessing into the effects of what these things were going to do and provide the Jew with. And he says, to move in and acquire the knowledge requires nothing. Why not? Because Satan has, never requires an entrance fee. Never requires an entrance fee. He permits everybody to become his partner without any investment. No matter what the person wants to do, to be Satan's partner, that's the rule, the natural law of the universe. You want to become Satan's partner? Of course, everyone is saying, well, who wants to become Satan's partner? I mean, this man can only bring devastation and chaos into our lives. Who wants him for a partner? Well, he's got one trick. He will offer, like they say, a con man, right? What, what does he offer? The world. For how much? Almost no investment. A little investment. Right? And he goes to everybody and takes only a little investment. And we're going to get something for nothing. Who is that something for nothing? Satan. He's always offering something for nothing. Whether it's a little or a lot. Whether he makes you invest uh, a larger sums of money. Again, on the <coughs> pretense of getting something. Why do we say for nothing? Because there is a norm. There is a norm. I mean, uh, someone comes and offers you uh, 2 million percent on your investment. 2 million percent, is that normal? No. Does it exist anywhere in the world? Yes, it does. Sometimes you can buy a penny stock and you can go up to $300 a share, right? That's almost like something for nothing. That kind of investment says the Zohar. That kind of investment is being partners with Satan. Being partners with Satan. Because you're getting something for nothing. Therefore, says the Zohar, to get that, no problem. Keeping it may be another matter. He can get it. No problem. He lets everybody in. But if you want the security... If you want the guarantee that you're going to retain it, then you can't be his partner. What does it mean you can't be his partner? Then you have to make a contribution. Because if you want my, as the Zohar now is interpreting, my offering, what is my offering? My offering is what the Satan does not offer. Satan offers you, come in, free ride, everything you want. 
you can have. But, but, I didn't guarantee this forever. You want to guarantee that what you have, and that doesn't only mean money, you have health. Is there a guarantee? When you're Satan's partner, there is no guarantees. He could take you for a free ride around Disneyland, but then the trip, you know, the trip ends, whether it ends at night or it ends the next day, but that free ride ends. Meaning, what's the free ride that ends? The idea that we are secured in what we have achieved, the idea that we have, we have fortified, we have established within our lives absolute health, absolute uh, financial stability, absolute relationships. So he says, oh, no, no. You can move in and there's no charge. But remember, once Satan has brought you in, because he, whenever there is no charge, whatever you're getting for nothing, you have become a partner with Satan. And there's nothing wrong with that. With that, there's nothing wrong. Because if there was something wrong, then the minute Satan takes you in, the minute Satan takes you into, into his, into his compartment, into his adventure, into his venture, and immediately the jig would be up, you'd be able to recognize the con man immediately, then Satan has no way of being successful. I mean, he's got to be permitted to let you take a long ride, a ride of 40 years, a ride maybe even of 50 years, and you have 14 and a half billion dollars. And in one year, he says, sorry, fella, the trip is over. Remember, it was a free trip. This is where you get off. This is where I get off. Now you're by yourself. And by yourself, he drops it and finished. You want my offering? There is no free trip. It requires effort to have my offering. That's why it says, because it made no sense. We're talking about, I'm offering. No. What you're offering requires effort, money to contribute, to contribute because why are you contributing? Why are you contributing? As opposed to, as you have learned in the, uh, in the classes, for those of you who have not learned it, there is something called staka. Staka. Charity. The, the uh, truma is interchanged, usually. Is interchanged with the word staka. Oh, have you made a truma in, in, in Israel? You, more times than then you hear the word truma. Give a truma. Mean contribute. And yet, there's another word, staka. In, in Proverbs, it says, staka tatsil mimavit. Staka saves from death. Truma doesn't say saves from death. Doesn't save you from death. Meaning, there is a difference between the two words. Now, what, what is the difference? Truma indicates only one idea. 
You want my offering? Meaning what? Guarantees of what you have acquired. Is it, and it's not against death. It's not against death. That's a whole different concept. Because death, death is going out of the realm. And where, where when the Jews on Mount Sinai achieved Bila Hamavet Lanetzach, when death came to a, to an abrupt standstill, finished, the Jews were completely taken out of the realm of Etzadat, the realm that we exist, where death unfortunately exists, and were taken into a realm of Etzachayim. Over there, no chaos, no nothing. What the Zohar here is talking about is Truma. That means when you exist in this level, where there is chaos, there is devastation, and there is illnesses, in this world, in this world, you want to have my offering, then no, there is no free trip. It's not talking about staka, which has to deal, which deals with that realm of where Moses never died. Moses never died. Yaakov never died. Did not die. These people just from our perspective, from our observation, they are no longer here. For whom is that? The ones who do not see. Those who can see know that Yaakov is sitting here. Or you can see him. When Yaakov comes in, he'll see him. When Moses comes in, he'll see him. Because they have not died. They have not died. But in our realm, we observe death around us. Well, who observes death around, around us? Those who have not achieved the consciousness of Etzachayim. See death all around. As I, as I explain on many an occasion, that when, when a person is buried, Chas Shalom, and we say, when, once he's covered up, the, uh, the casket is covered up, now we know he's gone. Why? Because we no longer see any remnant and any, any memory of, of the deceased. But we should also remember that insofar as he's concerned, when he's covered up, he doesn't see us anymore. So who disappeared? He or we? Depending from which perspective you're looking. Right. Not sure. Not sure. Maybe we disappeared. What the Torah is talking here and what the Zohar is referring to is talking about the world of Eitz Hadat. The world that we live in. The world that knows uh, uh, a financial instability. The world that knows illness. The world that knows chaos in family relationships. You want to avoid that? To have my offering. They have and were compelled. Compelled not in a way of being forced to, but were told in no uncertain terms, says the Zohar, that all of this that we're shortly going to get a, a, a small inkling of what this Pasha is about requires, requires an effort, requires a, a contribution. That cannot be had for nothing. The information, yes, but to be put into, into, uh, into action for it to operate you want to remove yourself from the chaos that exists in this world? You want to, and all around you is crumbling? 
Do you have an opportunity in this world, unlike Staka, which takes you takes you out into another into another realm, which we are not discussing here. We are discussing prevention of of uh, of uh, illness, prevention of financial instability, prevention of breakdown in, in family relationships. These things cannot be had for nothing. If there seems to be a free trip, meaning, ah, family relationships are wonderful, ah, the health is terrific, ah, success in 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 uh, in money undertakings, know that if if there was no truma involved. And there is no question. If there was no Truma involved, and what is the extent of Truma? Bain Rav or Bain Mat. How much does it cost? Little or a lot? Little or a lot? The Zohar does not go into this. This has nothing to do with a, a require, well, the, the, uh, Halakha, the, the, uh, Talmud already begins to interpret not, but the Torah does not say specifically what it is. Although here and there it's mentioned something about 10%. But that's not the point here. Point is that what the Zohar wants to teach us there are no free trips. Nothing more, nothing less. If there is a free trip, and that's what the Zohar is stressing more than the idea of how much one should contribute. Because he says, Bein ma'at, bein rav. Because the Ruach atuma is mizuman tamid bechinam uberek. The nimka tashlum. And you can purchase, you can purchase that for nothing. Without anything. Ki ma'achriach adam umesit otam become a asatot ladur imahem. Because he will connive with us. He will make us feel so comfortable that we should accept him into living with us, being with us in becoming Rahim. In many different ways, in systems, and how he can convince us that this free trip, look where it's leading. Such, such success. To such health, I really feel good. And, ah, what a wonderful family. All of these things. When we're in that consciousness, and there was no requirement, you meet a girl, get married, have wonderful children. What, what was the, what was the requirement? What was the entrance fee? Person decides to go into business. And the business prospers. Although he looks all around him, sees other people in the same business, and they have failed. But he knows why he's succeeding. He's figured out things that the others haven't figured out until the time when his brain no longer supports his wisdom, and he fails. Or he becomes ill, things of that nature. So what the Zohar is teaching us, that if you want... This information to work for you, it can only, it can only be achieved if there is the absence of a free trip because a free trip 
involves involves a partner. The partner who who operates on the principles of a free universe. And in a free universe, there is chaos. There is chaos. We call it an illusionary uh, concept. Why is it illusionary? Take all, take a look all around us. I mean, aren't there problems? People ill, people uh, going bankrupt. All of these things are realities. We call all these things illusionary. Why are they illusionary? Because as long as we have not purchased the offering, the offering of the light, as long as we have not purchased the offering of the light, meaning not only with money, but remember he said hishtadlut. That means we begin to recognize in our consciousness that there is no free universe. We understand that there is a price for everything. What is that price? Hishtadlut. To become aware that in this world that we do notice chaos, why do we call it illusionary? Because we can remove Satan, who is the partner, or maybe even the creator of instability, financial instability, illness. It is Satan who lives with us because we have invited him in. Why have we invited him in? Because we are of a consciousness of free will, of free universe. Free will and free universe. We have that choice to make. We can decide either way. However, if you take the path that nothing is for nothing, nothing, as the saying goes, is for nothing, because that's Satan, that we can remove him. Once you can remove him, then he's illusionary. He is only there as long as your consciousness invites him. And that's why we have always associated the idea of Ra, tree of knowledge, good and evil. Good and evil. Why is it, what do you mean good and evil? Well, good sometimes, evil sometimes. No, the evil is considered illusionary. Why is it illusionary? Because it deals with the free universe, which is illusionary. There is no such thing as a free universe. It may last for a year, two years, five, but then it disappears. Again, anything that's connected with the idea a free universe disappears. Good or evil. If it's connected with Etzadat, disappears. What does it mean? Free universe. That's what the whole section, that's what this first verse is all about. However, if you want the light force offering of tree of, of tree of now, of tree of life, meaning not that you have achieved the consciousness, of living constantly in the world of Etzachayim. Most of us probably will never live in that realm. We're maybe not even required to live in that realm. Although there are times that we have learned through Kabbalah how we can connect with Etzachayim. But to, to maintain a consciousness of Etzachayim requires 24 hours a day of connection. Can we be connected 24 hours a day? Like the Zohar said, King David 
King David was connected to Etzachayim. Why? He would never permit, he would never put him himself to sleep. One minute into 12.01 midnight. Never. He would awaken at 12, 11.59. Because he knew that if he moved into 12.01, which is the realm of Etzachayim, that's why Kabbalists always awoke in, in the middle of the night, because they wanted to connect with Etzachayim. But not every Kabbalist always. But David never permitted his to be that that he sleep from the from the hour from the moment of eleven fifty nine to twelve oh one. He was always awake at that time, and therefore, and therefore, he was never connected, never connected to the world, the familiar world that we live in. So there are times, there are ways how we can connect to Etzachayim. Unfortunately, to maintain twenty four hours a day. This vigil of connection with Etzachayim is rare, difficult. However, it does not preclude that from time to time we cannot get an infusion of, of the, the world of Etzachayim. But we must have this consciousness before we begin anything, says the Zohar. The consciousness that there is a world of Etzachayim. The consciousness that we live in the familiar world with Satan in the world of Etzadat. Without that consciousness, without that hishtadlut, then he's your partner all the time. And it doesn't require any payment. No interest fee for nothing. However, when you make the effort, you make the effort, you pay for it. Whether it means waking up at 11.59, you set the alarm and never, and never cross over into 12.01, Sleeping and many other opportunities that present themselves, like Shvuot at night. Shvuot at night. Person is guaranteed if he stays up all night and, and follows the, the rules or regulations of the, uh, of the Zohar. Another guarantee. This is what, this is what the Torah is talking about. And therefore he concludes, which is what this is about. In other words, it requires, he's not even mentioning money yet. He says, what does that mean? Effort. Understanding, a pure mind. What do you mean a pure mind? Pure mind without Satan. Understanding that we, with all of our efforts, we, with all of our knowledge, we, with all of our wisdom, can never achieve, can never achieve the trumati, the, the guarantee that the Torah gives or that the light force says, if you become connected with me, those guarantees, we also accept that kind of consciousness. That's not easy. That's more. That's more of a burden than the idea that you can pay and therefore understand that, well, now I've, I've gained my entrance fee. No, says the Zohar. No, says the Zohar. Yidvenu libo. What do you need his heart for? Guy wants to give, he gives. 
Maybe his heart doesn't even want to give, but he knows it's a practical thing to do, so he contributes. No, it means a requirement of his heart. Why does it require his heart? That he wants, he wants to give. Well, he doesn't, not coercion. He wasn't talking about Moses, go and tell the Jews that you're, they're going to be beaten if they don't contribute, etc. No. But that the consciousness, this is the way the Azor interprets this, this uh, verse, that the, the consciousness of this person recognizes that he himself does not have the ability does not have the ability to achieve anything in the way of the three basic elements that all of us aspire to, financial stability, health, and, and family relationships. And then the Zohar goes on to enumerating these various aspects of the tabernacle. All of these, all of these, all of these are in, are in, should be in the temple. The main of which, the main of which was, there was a table, as I said, the candelabra. And then it goes on to how to make the ark. How to make the ark. Cover it, without going into all of the uh, details of it. But, here I'd like to quote the Ari, because we have an ark, everyone has an ark. What's the purpose of the ark? Well, you don't want to keep the Torah outside, so you put it in the ark. It should have a place. What's the purpose of the ark? What is the ark? Why is that so essential? Cover it up. Lie it on a table. Where did the idea of putting the Torah into an ark come from? Why is it necessary? And why does, does it go to such lengths? Uh, of uh, of what is required on on how to achieve the structure it goes into details which I'd like to quote the Ari and this is what we should understand is being accomplished supposedly with the ark this is the consciousness that we have to have when we read this because as uh, as I state every year, that the reading of this uh, tabernacle, the Mishkan, is our security field. We're not reading a story of how to construct a tabernacle. And I asked at the very beginning. Uh, I mean, it doesn't even doesn't even apply anymore. Doesn't even apply. We're all aspiring to the to the permanent. Third temple that will that will ring the ring in the uh, the, the bell of uh, of uh, Mashiach. Why? What do we need this for? Is it a, just for the intent of a historical uh, historical event that took place in the wilderness when the Jews left Egypt? And so we understand, says the Zohar, that this ark and all of the I'll use the word trimmings but all of the essential necessities that accompany the structure of the ark, structure of the ark, constitutes our security shield. We have no other protection. We have no other protection. 
if today we don't have the temple, if we don't have the temple, it says right here in this section, and wherever the, the tabernacle is mentioned, in order that I should dwell, in order that I should dwell amongst you, what does that mean? I mean, God is all around. I mean, why does he need a little house where he contains his uh, his presence? I mean, can, a, can a, a tabernacle, or for that matter, even the holy temple contain the presence of God? What kind of nonsense is that? I mean, an individual needs a house, and the house is bigger than him. It's more than, let's say, uh, an area like a dog house. Why, what's it, what does it mean, a dog house? For a little dog. But for a person, I mean, he needs a bigger, he's bigger. He's bigger. What would happen if it was a Great Dane? I don't know. Maybe then we don't call it a doghouse. A person can go in there, he can sleep there. No, but there are amenities that a person requires. Well, that we understand concerning an individual. But when you're talking about, talk about God, his presence, his presence will be felt where in the tabernacle, his presence will be felt in the in the uh, in the temple. Says the Yadi, "Va'asu Aaron shitim," and you should make an ark of shitim. Is the name of a kind of wood. The Aaron. What is the Aaron? Is the secret of Yesod Abba. Code words. Yesod, foundation. Yesod is Yosef, of Abba. There are different classes of energy packets in the world. And that's the Aaron. Kibi Yesod Yesh Gimoklipin. Now why does the why does the Ari say this the Aaron refers to uh, Yesod? How does he know that it refers to Yesod? Maybe it refers to a different energy system, a different energy level. There are different energy levels. Why? Why the ark to be considered and where does the Ari get the idea that it's connected with Yesod? And Yesod, of course, we know is the male organ. We know that's where the Brit takes place. That's called Yesod. That's called Yesod. Where the Brit, the circumcision takes place. It's called Yesod. Why is it called Yesod? Because over there, in Yesod, as it is known, has three types of klipot. What are the three? Or Ola, the foreskin. Vora Pia, which unfortunately, as I have mentioned time and again, and worthwhile to mention again, unfortunately, most Brit in the world today, I know, are the the there after the foreskin is removed there is a membrane called the orhapriya that must be split must be split unfortunately it's it's not usually uh performed or they they try to do both at the same time because they don't understand that we're talking about two different consciousness altogether. 
One has nothing to do with the other. This is not a question of removing the foreskin, and maybe together we can uh, we can uh, remove, uh, separate. No, that membrane has to be separated. It's got to be an act by the mohel separating that membrane. It's a membrane there. It's got to be separated. Why? Because that has an energy intelligence of its own, and if we do not separate or rip that little membrane, thin membrane, divide it in half, as you've learned already in in, in lectures on Brit uh, Milan circumcision, that's another energy intelligence of the guy we want to get rid of. I'm the guy we want to get rid of. Our partner, Satan. The Hadam. And that's why Mitzitzah to draw out the blood. Not done today. Some don't do it. When I start talking about the, uh, the Mohel, doesn't do it because of AIDS. Whatever the reasons are. Although, although, even with, where a Mohel does not want to do the, uh, Zipeso, now the rabbis have said it's okay. After all, you know, it's a question of life and death. They do not remove the blood, drawing out a little of the blood. Necessary. I won't go into why. Because that blood, that it doesn't have to be a pint of blood. A drop must be drawn out. Drawn out. Because that first drop that's drawn out, the bleeding of the removal of the foreskin is not what we're talking about, but after the uh, the uh, membrane has been divided, without going into too heavy of a discussion of it, that's still connected. It nourished. It lied next to Satan. It lied next to Satan. And anything that comes in contact with Satan remains, remains as a partner as an intelligence that remains with the individual, with that little baby. He has been invited, and he can be invited, as we said before, no entrance fees. He's brought into this world already and packaged, and therefore the necessity for circumcision. He's brought there for nothing. You don't have to invite him. He's more than, well, he'll even come in uninvited. You don't have to pay for him to come in. He's there. Unfortunately, he, he is there without an invitation. So these three levels of Satan consciousness exist. Now how do I, how do I decide going to the Brit that is probably, properly done? And naturally here in the center whenever a Brit takes place. We have this one particular Mohel because he is following these instructions. What he may do on the outside is not my concern. Maybe he does it all over that way. But here, these are the instructions. Got, we've got to remove, very serious, got to remove these three energy intelligences of Satan from this little child. But does that mean Satan is gone from my, from, from my uh, habitat, from my home? No. No. 
Because he's always ready to come back tomorrow. Remember, you invite him back. You How do you invite him back? Ego. This is me, I, whatever. You invite him back. This ark that was made, this ark that was made, says the Zohar, is our security shield for these three intelligences that exist in this world. You want to know what? What causes the downfall of people? Financial instability? You know what causes illness? Do you know what causes breakdown in family relationships? Satan. Satan. And he comes in a package of, of three elements. Therefore, the Aaron was constructed. Gimel Aaronot Ze Toze. If you look into it, there are three aspects. Three aspects. There was a covering on there was a uh, first thing. You had the wood covering on the outside, covering on the inside. Why was that necessary? Because as as Bitzalel, or when King Solomon was there to witness the the uh, construction of the uh, ark, this ark was structured that these three these three elements that there was a consciousness, an infusion of consciousness of Removal, removal of each of the three elements. The Aron, the Ark, therefore, was not merely a place where you can, where you can put the Sefer Torahs for safekeeping until the next time we need it. No. This Ark represents, represents the removal of Satan and the three elements that constitute Satan. As he says, like in the brain, there are three coverings. Krum dak around the brain. Krum av, the esem hagugolet. You have three aspects to the brain. Why is he bringing in the brain? Because if you have, if you have satan in your consciousness, in your brain, got a, got a, a rough time. He's again your partner. He's again your partner. And as long as we can, as we said before, without this consciousness of the presence of Satan, there is no way, no way to remove, no way to remove Satan from your presence, from your activities, from your from your 24-hour presence in this world. So you have a krum dak, you have a thin membrane, and then there is krum av, and then you have what, what is referred to as the thick membrane, but that's, that's the meat that surrounds the brain, the etzim hagulgolet, and then there is the bone structure of the brain. These, why are, why are there three aspects to the brain? Why three? Why three? Because these are the three klipin. They are called coverings. What is a klipa? We, we refer klipa as satan. What's the connection between covering and, 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 uh, and uh, satan? Because these are all things that block out 
the flow of the light of the force of God, which is there, but it's got to break out. We all have this internal information. All of us. We all have the Torah in our brain already. The idea of the Aron covers the Ark. What is the Ark? What is the Torah? What is the Torah? What is the Torah? Torah is all the information. But what's the good of information if it can't be put to use? So that's why the Aron, the Torah was placed in this Ark. And then, when they used to take the Torah out, or when we take the Torah out, what are we doing? What do we do when we take out the Torah? Ah, oh, we all sing, and the beautiful melodies that everyone loves. When you sing, when you pray, take out the Torah, when you put the Torah, look how wonderful it is. We go through that, that, that. But you ask most people in synagogues, what, you know, what's the singing about? Well, it gives a little, you know, good feeling to the taking out of the Torah. Good feeling when you put it back. Nothing to do with that. Torah is the body of knowledge. But what's the good of the body of knowledge, as the Zohar said? If it remains information and it's not put to use, it's got to be brought forth the same way as why you have information. Oh, you remember that fellow's name? Yeah, sure, I remember his name. Wait, wait a second. It takes your time. Sometimes you remember. Sometimes you don't remember. Is the information there? Of course. How do we know the information is there? Because tomorrow you may remember the guy's name that you didn't remember yesterday. Where did the information of what his name was about come from suddenly? Why do you remember now? Because the brain is is closed. There's no opening to the brain. And why doesn't this information come forward? Because there are three clipot that have to be broken. And so when we do the bricks, I mean, when we do all that we do and take the ark out, all these prayers that we have is for what purpose? Because the Aron represents the potential and includes the three coverings, which are the three coverings. We even bring Satan right into the ark, can you imagine? He feels elated. Look how close he's getting to the body of knowledge. Except he has one problem. If we have this consciousness of what the ark is about, then we open it up. Why, why opening the ark is so important? Because unfortunately then we're ripping him apart. He can't keep this information, the protection that's included in the Torah from reaching us. He loves when you close that ark. Now we close him. And it's closed, it's concealed, like the brain, says the other. It's such a beautiful analogy of, of, of what the Aron was about, like the brain. So beautiful. This is the purpose of why, as when you read it clearly, you will see there are, there are three aspects to the Aron. Why? For that purpose. So that we can, we can perform an act, an act. And the, that's what he says, and the Torah, Remez Lamach. And just like the brain inside, the information is the Torah. Is the Torah. So, the essential aspect was this. Everything else contributes. We have uh, where we lay the ark. All of these things are necessary 
necessary, not utensils, necessary equipment in the support of the reading of the Torah. But what's most important is taking that information out. There is no free trip for that. It requires not only contribution towards the ark, but it also requires consciousness of what we're doing when we open up the ark. So this is our security shield. That's what, in effect, without even maybe understanding everything, but at least if we understand why we've come on, on Shabbat to hear this reading, because this reading, this reading creates a Brit Milah for us, so to speak, a proper Brit Milah. Gives us the opportunity of permitting all of the wealth of information from prior lifetimes, present lifetimes, that have been accumulated, but unfortunately can't break out, can't be put to use. Now, I think, I think we, we've come to an understanding of that Zohar that I, 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 I began with. Remember and when, uh, when it says, until Yaakov, until Yaakov, a person died without, without illness. And then he says, no, no. What, what does this have to do with Pasha Truma? Why did, why did the Zohar bring, bring in uh, this aspect? And what was his idea, Yaakov? The, uh, you know, so a person should know, etc., if he becomes ill. We separated, we separated the idea of, uh, of staka when we said staka tasil mimavit, you know, laying death to rest. Laying death to rest has to do only with the world of etzachayim, has nothing to do with this world, etzadat. Yaakov said, Yaakov, and what was Yaakov? Yaakov is central column. Central column. You notice we said three klipot. Around the brain, there are three. In the brit, in the circumcision process, three. That's, of course, immediately those who learn a little Kabbalah know the connection. Three is Yaakov. Yaakov represents the central column. And he is the combination of these three elements. Of these three elements. When Yaakov was asking... Why should a person leave, you know, leave this world with, without being forewarned? Without being forewarned of an impending death. In other words, just a kiss of death. He just walks out, he didn't prepare himself, etc. He should become ill. From what we have said, I didn't know the answer until now. I have to tell you the truth. But we were saying all along that we can go through a whole lifetime and never achieve any any other consciousness and the idea that I've come in here to create a business and die. I've come in into this world, create a family, and then die. 
without ever recognizing that throughout the period that I'm existing, that I'm in this world, it was a free universe deal. It had nothing to do with Satan. A you know, person never gets sick. He never gets sick. What does sickness say? What does sickness say? It gives you the impression that maybe, maybe you're not even in control. That the fact that one had been healthy all his life, and then at the end, well, everyone will say, if he got sick at age 240, I mean, you know, not so terrible. I mean, he lived 240 years, never was as sick a day in his life. Is there anyone that when the person gets, becomes ill, seriously ill, at age 239 and a half, I mean, you know, would everyone be crying? Oh, look at, look at the suffering he has to go through. Everyone's going to remember the wonderful days of 240 years. That he would never, the person would never come to the realization that there is no free trip in this world. That's what Yaakov was pleading. He says, Tiku etumati. Do you want my trumai? You want my intelligence? You have to change your consciousness. You have to earn it. But if a person had it going so well until he died, never even had a, a chance to think, hey, Maybe this was Satan's trip all the way through for the 240 years. Maybe he was there only for the purpose of making me think that it's me. And you know what? This world of Eitzatah, Tovarah, is really the world of reality. Therefore, Yaakov said, and it was Yaakov only, and said, wait a second. Then everything that's supposed to come out, reality, truth, will be always embedded, always embedded in the klipot, never utilizing the true reality of this universe. And therefore, the reason why people became sick and why he pleaded that people become sick is because how else would we be familiar with chaos and bring us to the idea that whatever we had up until that moment was a free trip. Unless from the very beginning, from the very beginning, we realize that at any given moment, that's what Yaakov meant, at every given moment, think of Yaakov. Think as there are three klipot, and as long as you have health, you say, no, I don't have no health. You've broken through the three klipot because you say, oh, well, I have health now. Yeah, but in another minute, in a second, in one second is what all it takes is the person to lose all his health. A second. How long does it take to lose fourteen and a half billion dollars? I was, I was figured it out. Uh, I didn't figure it out. Someone figured it out. It was in the newspapers that if you threw away ten thousand dollars every minute, you could not spend the principal of fourteen and a half billion dollars. Could there ever be instability in such a situation? How could you lose it? Even if you throw away $10,000 every minute, throw it away, you could not use up your principal. And yet, $14.5 billion vanished in a year. Not only the $10,000 a minute, but the whole principal disappeared in a year, which is impossible. It's unheard of. 
It is hurried up. This age of Aquarius, things go a lot quicker. <laughs> That's what it's all about. And therefore, therefore, this, this Pasha is, is to open up, break open those klipot, those klipot, the three klip, essential klipot of, of, of Satan. As long as we don't break that open, he's going to be our partner. Then we have a free ride until he decides Finished. Ride is over. Amen. Amen.